Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Kicking off a new week of Daily Faceoff Live. Welcome into the show streaming every day, Monday through Friday on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. I'm Tyler Yaramchuk, and he is our associate editor at Daily Faceoff. Stephen Ellis, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. You know, usually when I'm here, the weather sucks. I'm looking outside right now. It's finally nice. It's springtime. And I'm sorry to be pulling you away from the Hungarian League playoffs as well. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, it's a championship today. It's a, it's sad to be missing that, but uh, I will manage, unfortunately. It was quite the weekend in the NHL. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into what we saw in the National this weekend. Yesterday alone, there were three teams in the league who popped home seven goals. We're going to zero in on one of them, the New York Rangers, who finished the weekend a perfect 2-0. They light up the Penguins for six goals on Saturday, put up seven on Sunday, and... Man, this team is absolutely humming along right now. Keandre Miller, six points in the two games. Artemi Panarin had three goals in two games. This team is moving right now. And my question for you, Stephen Ellis, is when you look around the East, Boston, a lot of people say the clear-cut favorite. The Rangers still only third in their own division, but you look at the way they're playing right now, not just the 13 goals, but the zero goals against. Igor Shesterkin is looking or appearing to be rounding into form. Are you ready to put the Rangers in the same class as the Boston Bruins, or are they still in that sort of tier two of cup contenders? I think the Bruins are just in their own class right now, and thats I don't think any team can come close to catching that until it matters, until the playoffs, and we know anything can happen. But I do like that the Rangers are starting to kind of gel. You know, they made a couple of big trades this year. They didn't have to really move any big assets uh, to make that happen. So uh, I think it was just kind of getting those new guys and Tarasenko and Kane to see how they can really impact this team. And, you know, it, it just seems like that was just the type of boost. Like, even if they don't score right away, even if they're not playing well right away, it still sent a message that we're going all in and we're serious about this. And the Rangers were my original pick to win the Stanley Cup. I did eventually change it to the Carolina Mine Hurricanes. <laughs> now I look a little silly saying the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, we kind of expected a bit more. But uh, with the way the uh, the Rangers are rolling right now, I just don't want to stop them. When Shesterkin's on his game, He's so good, and we know Halak can get his the job done too. Uh, Keandre Miller having the weekend of his career was really fun. So this is a team with so much talent where, you know, if you looked on paper heading into the season, I think more people would be picking Rangers than Bruins. Obviously, what the Bruins are doing and what, what Linus Omark's been able to do is incredible, but you can't count out this Rangers team. Yeah, I mean, Linus Allmark is going to run away with the Vesna this year, but there's still something about Igor Shesterkin being at his best that just... That, that really has me favoring the Rangers in, honestly, any matchup in the Metropolitan Division. So in mm -hmm. those first two rounds of the playoffs for them, I think they're deeper than the New Jersey Devils, both up front and on the blue line. Like you mentioned, Keandre Miller, he and Jacob Truba looking really, really damn good. Adam Fox is a guy who's in the Norris conversation every single year. I think the Rangers... It might be a hot take, but I think they deserve to be in that class with the Boston Bruins. They had some struggles earlier in the season, but right now, in the present, 
The Bruins have lost a couple of games as of late, although they had a couple of big wins this weekend as well. So maybe those back-to-back losses from a week ago were nothing more than just a one-off. But I don't know. I'm really starting to like the New York Rangers, and this weekend was quite something. The team they beat on Sunday was the Nashville Predators. And uh, if any team in the Western Conference wants that final wildcard spot, it seems like they can have it. The Winnipeg Jets have been slumping for what feels like a month and a half now, Stephen. And yet they're still in control of their own destiny when you look at the playoff picture here. Still up on Nashville when it comes to points percentage. And you could sit there and go, eh, Nashville's got all these games in hand. Don't worry. They'll, they'll find a way to win two of those three and they'll pass the Jets. But one, have you looked at how they've been playing as of late? Because even against the Jets earlier this weekend, they couldn't get a win in a big game. And then they get blown out on Sunday also. You can sit and look at games in hand, and that's all wonderful to look and go, oh, that's six points they could potentially go and grab and, and help them pass the Jets. But at this point in the season, there's less than a month to go. Having games in hand also just means your schedule is way busier than any of those other teams. On top of being worn down from already having played 70 games this year, you now might have some more back-to-back, some more three and fours mixed in there. The point being, Stephen, no one seems to want this thing. The Calgary Flames aren't winning a lot. None of these teams have more than five wins in their last 10 games. Are you maybe a little surprised at the lack of competitiveness or desperation some of these teams are playing with? Well, if you told me that at this point, Vancouver would be on a bit of a better run than like Winnipeg, Seattle, Calgary, yeah. Nashville, I would, I, I don't, not sure I believe it. Uh, but yeah, this is something where it's just like everyone is just, when Nashville went out there and traded at home, I think that was a sign. Like, okay, you know what? It's not going to be the year. I I really had no faith in that team to begin with. So the fact they were still in this uh, to begin with to me is, is solid. Because, like, they kind of really relied on, on on a great defenseman and a great goaltender last year. But if they're not out there, if you don't go and make those improvements, like if your top score is still a defenseman, that's not a good sign. And, and Soros hasn't been the same world-changing goalie we saw last year. But um, the one that's obviously more confusing to me, and, and I think it's good that Winnipeg has been able to go out there and get all those wins earlier in the season in the first half that put them in that spot where they do still have a bit of leeway to continue losing. But, you know, it, all it takes is just one really good run by Calgary to change things. Or Nashville, again, winning those games. They got a couple games on hand, but they can lose all of them. They can lose all three, and then it's pretty much just over at that point so that's you know the argument of oh they got those games at hand i don't like that one because like you said it's going to be busy there's a lot of pressure and they're not playing good hockey right now at a certain point you need to be able to find your confidence and when you're looking at winnipeg in particular they know they're a good team they've got the talent they were one of the best teams in the first half of this year they just need to get that confidence back and i think you know going on a, even a two-game winning streak at this point would be a great sign but it's just so hit or miss at this point where you got to think they're doubting themselves yeah, it's absolutely crunch time. If you can just get hot for seven days and win three of four with the way some of the other teams are sputtering in the West, you're going to separate yourself a little bit in the race, which is crazy to say. Just one game tonight in the NHL with uh, some serious playoff implications. That would be Calgary heading to LA to take on a Kings team that is seven, one, and two in their last 10 games. They are looking pretty darn good out in LA. So are the Edmonton Oilers, who also have seven wins in their last 10. They've now rattled off a three-game winning streak. And on Saturday, it was a big win because we had our Oilers Nation 15th birthday bash that day as well. So the, the bar was rocking. But the Oilers become the first team in 30-plus years to have th four different 30 goal scorers. And it's crazy when you look in the NHL. And there's only been 39 players with 30 goals this season, four of them residing 
on the Oilers with Zach Hyman grabbing his 30th of the season. It's also pretty crazy to think if Evander Kane could have just stayed healthy, they actually could have ended up with five because he's got 13 goals in 29 games so far this season. So much love goes to the high end of this team. And, un and understandably so. This team has led the NHL in goals for per game pretty much wire to wire this season. And they have probably better high end skill than anyone else in the league, in my opinion. But it's everything else. It's the blue line, it's the bottom six, and it's goaltending. This team has outscored their problems over the last little bit here, Stephen. Do you think they can buck the trend of, hey, in the playoffs, things get tight, goals aren't goals don't come as easily? Do you think the Oilers can outscore their problems come mid-April? Or do you think this is a team that is going to need some big performances on the back end if they want to have any playoff success? They're going to need some good performances in the back end for sure. And I'm you're obviously watching a lot of Matias at home and seeing what he's been able to yep. do. And I, I'm still a huge fan, a fan of Evan Bouchard. So I think this is the most confident I've been. I don't know about you. You follow the Oilers a lot closer. The, to me, on paper, this seems like a team I'm way more confident in than in recent years. And I know goaltending has been a, a big topic and seems to be a big topic in the show specifically. But like in a single game scenario, I, I do trust what Stuart Skinner is able to do. And then at the same time, knowing that the goaltending can completely fall apart at points. If it's Jack Campbell, it's, it's it can especially happen. So if any team can outscore their opponents, it is the Edmonton Oilers. And obviously, we got to give huge credit specifically to Nugent Hopkins. You know, this is someone who I really started following prospects like really closely when he came around and seeing what he was able to do at, at a young level or young age uh, before he got drafted. It's like, this guy's going to be special. And he never really hit that. But this year he looks so comfortable watching him play such a huge role for this team. Like you don't get a lot of guys that nearly a decade after going first overall are starting to hit their peak, but he's hitting a peak at the right time. And the same goes for Zach Hyman, who uh, I, you know, goes from junior A to becoming an NHL star and, and the way the path he took is really cool to see. So uh, the, 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 the biggest argument or one of the biggest arguments for this team has been like, you know, Oh, they got these two superstar players, but no one else is scoring. Now they're scoring. Now they're getting offense. They're getting good performances at every position. This is the time to shine. Yeah, someone in the chat was saying the Devils have hit that mark as well. The Devils only have three 30-goal scorers this year, although Dawson Mercer, 22 goals. He scored eight over a 12-game stretch already once this season, so maybe he could help them get to that mark, but it's just Brat Heischer and Hughes for the Devils. It'll be interesting to see in Edmonton. I think Matias Ekholm has really brought that blue line up a certain level, and I mean, Stuart Skinner had one stretch back around the All-Star break right when he had his first child as well, or helped welcome in a child. Other than that, he's been consistent. And we've said for years, all the Oilers need is like 905 plus, and they're going to be fine. Skinner appears to be giving them that. It'll be interesting to see. Right now, Edmonton, LA, and Vegas are all playing very good hockey. Let's talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights. We started the show with a team who put home seven goals on Sunday. We will hit our fourth topic, a team that scored seven goals on Sunday, three of which coming off the stick of Jack Eichel, scoring three goals in just 15 minutes on the ice. You know, with no Mark Stone, Stephen, I'm starting to wonder if or wonder how much pressure there is on Jack Eichel to be the guy. Because you look at who else kind of provides the offense there. And obviously Alex Petrangelo is, is still a top-tier defenseman, but Jack Eichel is tied in points with Chandler Stevenson at the top of this Golden Knights team. And, you know, you need someone to kind of throw the team on their back at some point in every playoff run. Can Eichel be that guy for the Golden Knights? 
So first off, I did not pick Jack Eichel yesterday, and I had one extra spot on my fantasy team. I needed some oh. goals. I decided against Eichel. He scored a hat trick, and my five-week five week winning streak is over by about three points. So that hat trick would have really helped, considering nobody else on my team decided to perform yesterday. But yeah, no, I think there's a lot of pressure just in general this season on Eichel. He was a huge trade target. Uh, going out there and you see kind of what the return's been able to do for the Buffalo Sabres. So Eichel goes last year, misses a big chunk of the season. Doesn't He had some nice stretches, but still didn't look comfortable. And then this year was about really making his mark. And uh, missed some time too, so he's gonna he's not even going to hit the 70-game barrier again. Uh, but I... You know, he's he's playing at just under a point per game. He's still not playing at that level we saw with him, the Buffalo Sabres, a couple of years ago where he nearly hit 40 goals and 80 points. So um, I, at this point, you know, Vegas is they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a, a team, a tough team to beat. And I think Eichel is going to have to be super important here. And the thing about this group is continuously finding some depth and getting, getting guys like Chandler Stevenson to turn into a star. And they've been able to do that so well, but you need someone like Jack Eichel to take you to the next level. Um, I still think he's capable of it. Like this is a guy that wasn't that long removed from being one of the best players in the world. Granted, He's had some pretty serious injuries and surgeries to deal with in the meantime. But I think, you know, without Stone there, it's, the you know, he doesn't need to be the superstar guy right now. He's got to be that superstar guy when they make the playoffs. And I think he's capable of it, but he's just got less help to, to make that happen. Yeah, and if they do get Mark Stone back, I mean, things look a lot differently out in Vegas. But this is a team with only three players who've hit the 50-point mark this year. Like, they might only have or they probably won't have any player finish with 82 points on the season when you consider, again, that Eichel has missed some time this season. So I do wonder about that. They're almost the reverse Oilers in a way where you're not concerned about the depth. You're really not concerned about a blue line that's got Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. Maybe some concerns between the pipes there, but it'll be the high-end skill. Can that be enough of a driving force for them to get through an entire playoff run? Still lots to watch in the final sort of three to four weeks of the NHL season here, including some players who are turning pro coming out of college let's get into that with this week's edition of the next wave Late last week, Stephen, we got some news out of Buffalo that Devin Levi, their hot goaltending prospect, has decided to turn pro. This has Sabres fans pretty excited and understandably so about the possibility of a Devin Levi, Uko Pekalukanen duo for the next decade in the Buffalo crease. What are they getting in Devin Levi? And are you a believer that this could be a future number one for this franchise? Well, they're getting one of the best uh, college goaltenders we've ever seen. And you look at the stats there on the screen and the performances he put up last year, a, a two-time finalist for pretty much most of the major awards you can Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Win as a goalie at this point. Deva Levi's path, if you've never followed it, was kind of an interesting one. You know, he went through, the, he didn't play what was supposed to be his freshman season. Then last year was outstanding. This year, just as good. And he was Canada's World Junior starting goalie a couple of years ago. Put on one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. This was also a guy that was drafted at the near bottom of the draft a couple of years ago by the Florida Panthers in 2020. They decided to go with Spencer Knight. And Spencer Knight, the ups and downs in the NHL career, we've, we've seen that already. With Devin Levi, the, the big bet there was one goalie is a lot bigger than the other goalie. And I think it's about four inches there when you look at Devin Levi being six foot. And you don't see a lot of small goalies really start to thrive in the NHL. But uh, if you actually read, Mike McKenna did a really good breakdown of what Levi is capable of. He moves so well, very fluent, very athletic, but doesn't have to rely on his athleticism. If you look at a guy like Jonathan Quick, part of the reason why we think we saw his his decline, I think, happened so quickly was that was someone who relied on diving, moving quickly to make saves. Eventually, that takes a wear and tear on your body. But Levi does a good job of covering the net taking that space away he knows how to handle the angles i do think he's a number one goalie in the nhl i am a little concerned about the size and people will say look at uc soros but that's more of the the exception than the norm there's a reason we don't see a lot of guys like him going out there and thriving but i think with with levi the sabers have the goalie they're looking for and for me buffalo's got one of the most exciting young prospect groups in the nhl they've got under 23 group is just outstanding and obviously they trade away jack eichel and they still look really good going forward they've got two goalies that i'm very confident in there and levi and luokinen to the point where they were able to trade eric portillo and not be too worried about the goalie depth so i do think levi is going to be a very good goalie sabers fans are going to absolutely love him i hope he gets a few starts down the stretch you know the sabers still have a shot of the playoffs here you know their goaltending is a very mixed bag at this point why not give them some opportunities yeah and the sabers seem to be slipping right out of that playoff picture in the Eastern Conference as well. So why not see what you got in a guy like that? Uh, maybe not as marquee of a name, but the Leafs and uh, their prospect, Ryan Teverberg, turned pro. A couple of really productive seasons in the University of Connecticut. He's now played once with the Toronto Marlies. Steven, what is uh, Toronto getting with him? Do you like his chances of one day being an NHL regular? I'm still not convinced he's an NHL regular, but this is a guy that I watched a lot when he was playing in the minor midget level and then the OJHL. And I thought, you know, this guy works really hard, but what will his offensive ceiling be? And I think he kind of impressed a lot of people. No one really saw him being, you know, as a seventh round picks, being as effective as he was during his college tenure. He was one of the better players for UConn. And, um, 
part of the thing there was he was drafted a five nine. He's now six foot. Uh, he's 190 pounds, and he plays a very physical game. And that's an element that when he was drafted wasn't there. And I believe he was actually picked like either the pick before or the pick after Devin Levi. Actually, funny enough. Um, so this is someone who had to continue to grind his way up to prove that he was going to be this this game changer player, and he was that. That being said, I don't know how high of an offensive ceiling he has. I broke down his game a bit for Leafs Nation and said, you know, he's someone that you could throw into maybe your fourth line and be a very good fourth liner as the game continues to get faster. He's got that speed. You know, he's a, he'd be a skilled fourth line guy. I don't think he's going to go out there and get a lot of points. But if he was to play a full season, I could see him going and get 30 points, maybe 25, 30 points, and that being a pretty solid baseline. But I still think, you know, he's going to have to prove himself. The Leafs are a competitive team. They look like they're going to be a competitive team for a while. And I don't think he plays a huge impact role, but he'll be someone where he goes into those games and he's not going to hurt you because he's smart defensively. He can score and he brings that physicality and the high end speed. That's something that's always followed him no matter what. So I think he's someone Leafs fans should get excited about, but don't expect huge things. We cannot talk Leafs and college players without me getting your take on Matthew Nyes. We're still waiting as he continues to play out his season, I believe, at the University of Minnesota. Stephen, 41 points in 36 games so far this season. A second overall pick of the Leafs a couple of years ago. Is this a guy who you think is ready? I mean, you look at that size, 6'3", almost 2'10". Like, he is a unit. Can he play playoff hockey in the NHL right away? Or is this a guy where, you know, maybe just a black ace for the Leafs? Me personally, I want him to follow along, be involved in those practices, and just learn from the stars. I don't know if throwing him in right away is going to be the right decision here. Uh, I, you know, I've said before, I'm not the highest on him. There's a lot of people who think that who really are excited about him. I still think, to me, on, on the line he plays on of Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley, he's the third best player in that line. But part of that also you know, statistically you look and he doesn't have as many points, but the thing that really made him stand out this year is the, his defensive play. Obviously he's got the size. He doesn't lose a lot of puck battles. He can out muscle players, but defensively is kind of where he starts to shine. There's a lot of hit or miss moments. We saw him at the juniors in Edmonton where he looked absolutely invisible. And I'm, I don't think he'll be playing a big scoring role, but to me, he's like a good quality third liner. And if your top prospect is a third liner, I get it. That might not be the most exciting thing. But given what Toronto's depth is like, I think this is someone who makes this team better next year pretty quickly. He won't be expensive, obviously. He'll be in his entry-level contract. And I think, you know, he's another 35-40 point player maybe at the ceiling. But his defensive play and his physicality are two things that I think are is really what are going to draw fans to him when he eventually makes his debut. I do hope to see him, though, kind of skating around uh, Scotiabank Arena soon. It'd be nice to see what he, uh, he's able to do. But, uh, I, you know, again, I'm not the highest on him, but I still think he's going to have a good future. NCAA Frozen Four coming up this weekend, right? It is. Yes. Who Who are you maybe keeping an eye on there as uh, that season comes to a close? See, I, I love watching Minnesota. I love watching Michigan. But that Minnesota team is just, from a pure talent perspective, like, you know, the Cooley, Snuggerud, and, and Matthew Nye's line. Like, that's that line could play – that would beat some second lines in the NHL this year, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's a fun group to watch. Who's, uh, what's your bracket got? Give me, uh, I know March Madness is a bigger thing, obviously, but who's your, what's your frozen four bracket look like? Who do you have at the end? 
Oh, geez. Uh, I'd have to look at them again. I just, <laughs> I, I will say this. I put you on Adam the spot Fant- to be fair. Yeah. I'll just say this. Get ready to be excited about Adam Fantilli if you're not already. I love that. Love it, Stephen. Great insight, as always, with the next wave. And we'll have to get your thoughts on the Frozen Four next week as well as things come to a close in the college hockey world. Thanks, Stephen. No, no problem. Let's move along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. We've started to see this throughout the year on some broadcasts, Stephen, but the old puck trail, which was popular, I mean, I guess 20 years ago when we first saw it. Honestly, in, I don't love it all the time, but on a situation like the power play, I feel like it really adds to just how quickly these players zip pucks through. And also what I like, and it shows it on this replay, is after a pass is made, like the one that comes in down low here, you see because of the puck trail, how quickly lanes disappear in the NHL and how sharp these guys got to be moving the puck. I like it in situations like the power play. I think it's distracting throughout the entire course of a game. Do you love or hate the puck tracking trail? I, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'll say kind of both, you know, I, I like the fact that yeah. like with the way you explained it there of the power play, I think that's honestly a great usage of it. I don't want to see it for the whole game and it definitely is distracting. Maybe they could do it a little differently where the, the tail is not as long. I think that was the thing at mm-hmm. first that stood out to me. It was too long of a tail, but it's, I, I really like seeing more technological things in the broadcast other than, you know, the, the digital boards, that stuff sucks. Yeah. But, you know, seeing what the, the big city greens, thing was last year and seeing what that was how that was done with the puck tracking and the the player tracking information i thought that was super cool and i think this is now a bit more refined and a little less glitchy and distracting as it was when it was done 20-ish years ago uh and i have no recollection kind of how that went other than just seeing youtube clips but with this i think you know it's got its usage um i'm not sure i want to see it in every broadcast i think it's more valuable as a replay thing i do like having the little player names over their heads too i know it's something a lot of people don't like but i think that's kind of a nice feature uh especially if you're still trying to kind of if you're not a, a hardcore fan you don't watch a lot of these games it's just kind of nice to see who's who so uh i uh you know i'd say it's kind of like a i'm kind of indifferent on the puck trail but i i don't want it to go away yeah, I think I'm with you on the names as well. Like every once in a while when, you know, it's a player maybe they're talking about on the broadcast as the play is going on, to kind of have that at the top, I think it helps casual fans. Jeremiah says it makes it easier to see the puck for casual fans. He thinks the puck trail is great. So, yeah, I agree. I think stuff like this, like if you're a hardcore, this isn't really like ruining your experience of watching the hockey game. You're still getting what you want out of the sport. It only helps kind of bring in a new area of fans, which is obviously great for the sport. Uh, Let's move along to our points bet daily bets as I look to kickstart hopefully another profitable week courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada and there are two matchups and two favorites I like tonight in the NHL so let's dig into it courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada starting with that matchup at the top between San Jose and Edmonton the Oilers absolutely rolling as we said earlier three wins in a row they've been covering the puck line in a handful of them as well so why not take them on the puck line against a Sharks team that has just not been very good throughout the season I think goaltending has been a bit of an issue keeping pucks out of their net I should say is a bit of an issue so why not Edmonton on the puck line minus 145 and I also love Florida on the puck line tonight they've won back-to-back games 
covered the puck line in each of them. Seven wins in their last 10. Detroit has really been sputtering along as of late. Just two wins in their last 10 games. Plus 135 is a good price tag on a team that's kind of down in the dumps. Going up against a team in Florida that is right there in the playoff picture. So I like taking both puck lines. And also, I'm going to hedge this a little bit and play both of them on the money line in a parlay. Because it comes out to even money on points bet. So there you go. A little bit of a hedge. I think they should both win. I think they should both blow out the opposition. But even if they just get a victory, maybe an OT, something like that, I'll have the hedge of the two of them parlayed on the money line as well. Also, something that is just absolutely insane, Stephen. Connor McDavid's point line for tonight is set at two and a half. You can't even bet on one and a half on points bet it is insane the run that he's on to the point where the books are saying yeah he's getting two we know he's getting two we're only letting you bet on if he's getting three i you know it's funny uh, we were talking a bit before the pre-show it'd be almost interesting to see what betting lines would be for connor bedard in the whl and how many points he gets in mm. a single night because he had this little stretch of like two points in four games like oh what's going on and he got like i think 16 points in his last four games like what would you put his over under at I mean, it's probably like, is it not in, absolutely insane to say, well, the line's probably also two and a half. And then you sit there and you go, Bedard's doing it in the WHL. Connor McDavid's doing it in oh, yeah. the NHL right now. Like the fact that the production is like not quite even because I know Bedard's just been stupid in that league. But like right now, I'd probably set them both at two and a half. Yeah, no, I, I'd i say that. Now, there, there's one fun topic, and this could be for a future show, but <laughs> right. who would, what, what stars would you trade for Connor Bedard? I always, like, this was a bar table debate a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting with my buddies and it was like, okay, if you're the Leafs and Arizona wins that first pick and, you know, you go to Austin Matthews, you say, what's your next extension look like? And he goes, I want the max. Or he goes, I want to test free agency. Maybe the Leafs lose in the first round. I don't know the scenario. But if you're the Leafs and you don't get like 100% assurance from him that he's inking a good deal with you and the Yotes say, let's do it one for one. Who says no to that? I I take I, I really would want to take that risk on Connor Bedard. I think he's just going to be that good. So go. I, if, that if I'm Toronto, I, if, I'm, if I'm Toronto, I think I'd do it. And three years of him on the ELC with all the talent, like it'd be something. Uh, let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time, Stephen. And I hate that we have to do this again. But over the weekend, James Reimer opts out of wearing the Pride Night jersey in San Jose. First off, credit to the San Jose Sharks who still did an awesome job with. Their Pride Night, it was very informative. And that's what this is all about, is just education about a fairly marginalized community and a community that hasn't always been open and welcomed in hockey, in sports. That's what these nights are for. And James Reimer used, you know, the the veil of religion to do it. And I think if you're going to sit there and put out a quote, that's all about the Bible. And I'm a guy who grew up going to Catholic school. I know all the lessons. I know all that. Um, it you're picking and choosing what parts of the religion you uh, you want to go from here. And for him at the end to say, I strongly believe that every person has value and worth and that he respects the community and they should be welcomed in all aspects of the game of hockey. Warm-up jersey seems like a pretty small way that you could have just kept this a positive night in San Jose, James Reimer. So we will end it with that. Just disappointed that we have to even mention this to end a show. It's a small token, a small thing. 
you could do to show your respect to hockey fans and probably a lot of hockey fans who are in that community who have James Reimer jerseys and are fans of James Reimer who uh, are feeling pretty disappointed with what happened this weekend. And with that, we'll wrap up the show. I'm going to be hosting, I think, all week here on the show. So it's myself and McKenna back tomorrow. And then, Stephen, I think uh, you're back later on this week as well. It's going to be a good run of shows live every day at noon Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow.